Hey guys, and welcome to the Drop Off, a not so daily podcast between father and son about life, sports, and everything in between. Today is Tuesday, and basically, a lot of the sports are basically coming up. The football season just started. The NBA season is going to start in like a month, um, and baseball is coming into the tail end of the season with. Um, so the first topic we I would want to talk about is Aaron Judge is on Homer fifty nine and we are going to watch a game next Sunday. Yep, is it next Sunday night? So next Sunday night we're gonna watch a game and there's a possibility that we could hit see him hit home run sixty one or sixty two, which would break the AL record for most homers in the season. Um, is that the non um what's it called stereo stereo Oh yeah, yeah. So just for some background, um, for those of you who aren't big baseball fans, uh, Babe Ruth, you know, arguably considered one of the greatest sluggers of all time, uh, the Babe Ruth, he hit sixty home runs in one season. Uh, but he did that, I think, in a not a shortened season, but back then the season was only let's say one hundred fifty-four games. I'm not exactly sure on the number, but it's not the one sixty-two that people play now. So he hit sixty, and then Roger Maris hit 61 in a 162-game season. So a lot of people even put an asterisk on Roger Maris' season because he's like, well, obviously he had eight more games. And I think in the 154 games, he didn't get to 61. Um, And so 61 has been kind of one of those records, at least for the American League, that has stood the test of time and has been around for a long time. Uh, Briefly challenged a few times. But Aaron Judge, unless he gets injured or something goes terribly wrong, he's going to break that record this year. I mean, they've got like, I don't know, 15 games to go. And he's averaging like, you know, one home run every, I don't know, let's say like eight at bats or something like that. Yeah. And so uh, it's really exciting to be at a game where history is made. And so hopefully he hits 60 sometime this week. And then on Sunday, it just timed out perfectly where the weekend we're going to New York. The Red Sox are playing the Yankees. And it's really unfortunate that the Red Sox aren't very good this year. Like, it'd be, like, way more exciting if they were battling for the pennant. But it's still going to be really exciting. Um, so as a Red Sox fan, how would you how would you feel to be at the park when Judge hits a historic home run for your rivals? Um, I don't know. I think it would be cool just to see, um, like, the 62nd or 61st home run of Judge's season. And... What I'm cheering for that game is that Judge hits 62 and um, the Red Sox win. Yeah, I I guess that is the ideal scenario. Um, I think Judge is a great guy. I don't know if you know, but he's a Christian also. He's pretty outspoken about it. You know, on their Twitter profile, whatever a person chooses to put on their, like, Twitter profile is, like, really what's important to them, what they identify as. And Aaron Judge identifies as Christian. He's got a great story. Um, I don't Did you know that he was adopted by his parents? I did not know that. Yeah, so Aaron Judge is like 6'6", 6'7", he's huge. His parents are nothing like that, but it's because he was adopted. And I think he's adopted because his parents are Christians, and they understand that uh, adoption is one of the central values or central themes of Scripture, and that God adopts us into his family, not because of anything that we've done, uh, but because he loves us. And Aaron Judge's parents exemplified that, and he says like his parents showed him love even though he was adopted every single day of his life. Um, and that's just a powerful picture of God's love for us. And so really cool to see Aaron Judge succeed like this. Did you know that this is Aaron Judge's walk year? Meaning he did not sign a contract extension in the offseason? 
Um, I heard about that. And if he hit 62, do you think he could go for like 400 million dollars or something? I don't think he'll go 400 million dollars, and that's mostly just because of his age. Uh, he broke into the majors at a much later age than a lot of the great players. So I think he's only. I don't remember exactly how old he was. Maybe he was like 25 or 26 when he first made it up to the big leagues. Whereas he's already 30 years old. And so he's probably not going to get like a monster, monster long, like the length of years. But yeah, he's definitely going to get paid more than he would have this past offseason. They've called it the greatest walk year of all time. It's like basically a player saying, I'm betting on myself. And Aaron Judge bet on himself and he had a great historic season. Uh, most likely he's going to be the MVP, barring again, like I said, injury. Even though last year's MVP, Shohei Otani, is having another historic season and probably in many ways better than last season. What do you think about Otani? I don't really know much except for he hits a lot of home runs. He has like 30 this season or something. And he is uh, also a really good pitcher. Yeah, his home runs are actually down from last year. But his pitching is a lot filthier, a lot nastier than it was last year. There's this really um, funny meme. Or not meme, but like basically uh, at the beginning of this year, he didn't have a sinker. And then as a batter, he faced a guy who threw him a 100 mile, miles per hour sinker. And he had this expression on his face like, huh. After it came, he's like, huh, 100 mile sinker, eh? And so he like went and worked on it. And like a week later, he threw a 100 mile an hour sinker. Even though he like didn't even have, <laughs> didn't even have it at the beginning of the year. He, he is just like, it's, I think he, maybe even more than judge, people are just baffled. The fact that he could be a top 10 hitter and a top 10 pitcher. It's just unreal. Like, even MLB players are just amazed and shocked by it. And so he's going to be a perennial MVP uh, candidate for sure. He's probably going to get number two this year. Oh, but that's no fault of his own. It's just because Judge is on this historic tear. And he's really turned it up as the Yankees have turned – the rest of the Yankees have turned it down. And so the Yankees were by and far the favorite in the AL for the first half of the season, but they really tailed off. And really it's only been Judge that's been keeping them in it. Uh, another cool uh, sports experience that we had this past weekend is that we got to go to the UT and UTSA uh, football game. Shout out to Uncle Tim who joined us for that. Don't worry, we won't forget this time that you were there with us. What were your thoughts on the game this past Saturday? I thought that um, the UTSA quarterback through the first three quarters was better than Bryce Young. Um, that I'm not. That's not. That's a joke. But um, until the end, I think they're basically in it until that pick six, right? Yeah, it, w- it was definitely a close game. I mean, if you watch the game, there was a moment after that incredible series where UTSA kicks the onside, recovers it. It wasn't even close. UT was not expecting that, which is obviously the best time to do an onside kick when the other team is least expecting it. But they recover the onside kick. They scored that um, pretty incredible flea flicker touchdown. And I think they go up 17-14 at that point. And I would say... 17-7. 17-7 at that point. I would say the stadium was... N- nervous, like a, a a little bit of a dread feeling, but I don't I don't think people were like completely freaking out because there still was a lot of time left in the game. You know, if that happened at the like midway through the fourth quarter, it'd be a lot more nerve wracking. But there was still plenty of time to play, and um, that was probably the highlight of the moment for the UTCA fans, especially that guy like ten rows ahead of us who was just going crazy and amping up the rest of the Roadrunners. But yeah, I was really impressed with the uh, UTSA quarterback. You could tell he had a lot of experience. He was really really good running. Um, throwing on the run, getting out of the pocket, hitting his receivers in stride. And so um, UT was having a lot of trouble stopping them in the first half especially. 
Um, one of the things I saw was that. Wait. Oh, what did you think of that targeting call? I didn't think it was targeting at all. I agree with Desmond Howard. I saw that tweet that he put out. It's one of the worst targeting calls ever. Uh, basically, Overshone, who's one of UT's be- best defenders, what he's do like linebacker, defensive end, linebacker. He comes in on a delayed blitz and just totally crushes the quarterback. But his face mask, as he goes in for the tackle, like makes contact with the quarterback's face mask, but only briefly. Like he doesn't drive through it. He kind of like it makes contact, and he like turns to the side and like brings him down that way. And then because the refs go to the replay, and I guess they, I don't know, I don't know the technical rule, maybe leading with the helmet, but he's not leading with the crown of his helmet for sure. And so there's, I don't know, to me it didn't seem like that dangerous to tackle. Uh, the quarterback did get hurt, but I don't think he, I don't think he got hurt because of uh, the helmet to helmet contact. I think he just got hurt because it was like a crushing tackle. I don't know if he was actually hurt though, or they pulled him out of the game just to um, get the targeting replay because he went back in the game like right after, like the next play basically, right? Yeah, but they eventually took him out, which maybe it was because of the blowout they did come out, but I think if he was like healthy, healthy, he, they wouldn't have put him, they wouldn't have, t- like for instance, let's say the game was a much closer game. He, he would be in the game. Like he wasn't, th- he wasn't um, completely hurt, but I would think that he had, he was banged up. They didn't want him to get further exasperate the injury. What did you think of Hudson Card's game? I mean, obviously, it was Bijan dominated. Okay, Nathaniel's got one more thing. One more thing about the targeting call. Watching the NFL, I don't think there's a single, like, targeting replay this year, this um week. But, like, every single um Texas game, Overshone gets, like, uh, for some reason replayed with a targeting call. Do, why do you think that is? Is is there targeting in the NFL? I thought it was a college football thing, but I could be wrong about that. It is? I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm fairly certain it's an NFL uh, college football thing because I've never heard of targeting in the NFL either. But I mean, there are like you know penalties like personal fouls or unsportsmanlike conduct stuff like that. Maybe personal foul would probably be the closest one. I know the NFL; they definitely have a lot of um, they protect the quarterbacks a lot. So I don't know. I don't know if they. I don't. Th- I don't think they call it targeting because targeting in college is like one of the worst penalties because. If you get that target file, you're out of the game. I've never seen it. They would, they would not eject an NFL player for something like that. And probably that is because of more like um, the NFL Players Association and them negotiating with the NFL owners. Like they wouldn't probably wouldn't allow that. Any other thoughts on the game? No, not really. Just Bijan. Bijan, um, in the Alabama game, his first stats weren't very like good he had like 11 carries for seven yards and a touchdown but then like if he plays like someone like utsa he's gonna have like 200 yards what did you think of that well obviously i think most running backs if they play an inferior team are gonna play better um but i think the difference is alabama was stopping was like okay you have to game plan right so most defenses you're either going to stop the run or try to stop the pass and make them run depending on where you think your advantage lies Okay, and so when you play Texas, you're thinking, okay, B. John Robinson, uh, you know, Heisman candidate, potential first-round NFL draft pick. We're going to put eight men in the box. We're going to make them beat us in the pass. And the thing was, Quinn Ewers was beating them on the pass, right? The reason you got Xavier Worthy one-on-one on the outside is because you're committing more people in the run. 
And so, what was Eeyore's? Like, 9 for 11 with 140 yards, something like that in the first quarter. And so, oh, yeah, Bijan was struggling. or He wasn't quite, quote-unquote, getting his stats. But the attention that he was drawing is what was opening up the passing game. Problem is, Ewers goes down, and Hudson Card is hobbled. And so, you can't take advantage of them stacking the box against Bijan. Right? So, I don't care how good your running back is. Right? If you're not getting... If you're not getting the holes, if you're not able to win on the offensive line, if they're committing more players, like your running back is going to struggle that game. But the hope is that that would open up the passing game and that you'd really do well that way. Yes, and the last thing that I wanted to talk about was how Tua, um, that was a monster game from Tua. Six touchdowns thrown, um, 470 passing yards, still three interceptions. What did you think of that game? I mean, I don't know if it's... It's hard to say, is it Tua or is it like having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Watt on your on your team is like a cheat code. Especially part of it, I think the Ravens secondary was completely beat up. Uh, there were a few plays in which it was like complete breakdowns. Tyreek was like wide open by like 10 yards, which should not happen. Um, and so you can't, the same thing, you can't double up on one side of the field because that's going to leave either Tyreek or Jalen Waddle uh, wide open. So a lot of the Miami... Uh, weapons are, I think, going to keep a lot of defensive coordinators up at night this year. One of the things I was thinking, too, is, though, even though Tua had, like, 400 yards and stuff, and, like, he threw, like, a ton of deep ball touchdowns, all of the deep balls he threw were, like, underthrown by, like, a couple feet. Like, all of them, like, wasn't hitting Tyreek in stride, or, like, Tyreek would have to stop, reach back, catch it, and then start running again. Well, there's probably only a few NFL player, NFL quarterbacks who can overthrow Tyreek Hill. Um, but if they're completions, it really doesn't matter if it's like underthrown a little bit. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever, if you've ever played football and tried to throw in a 40 yard pass to get it catching in stride is, is pretty hard, especially when Tyreek Hill's running a, a four two forty out there. I'm pretty sure also a lot of them should have been picked by this secondary. All right. Well, it's picture day, so work on that smile. Give a good smile for the pictures. So glad that you've joined us for kind of our Around the Horn sports today. Nathaniel, have a great day at school. Love you, buddy. Hi, Dad. Love you. See you later.